It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the Bengals post-game edition, presented by Ryan Kiefer of Prime Lending. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Boring as we recap the Bengals' 41-21 win over the Baltimore Ravens that has them uh, in firm grasp of winning the AFC North if they just take care of a little bit of business, and maybe they don't even have to take care of any business when all is said and done, but... Again, they're kind of in their control of their own destiny. A day when Joe Burrow threw for over 500 yards. Literally every Bengals weapon of of note was on display. And we'll talk about some of the reasons for that. But Rick, bottom line is, um, listen, you don't have to apologize for winning in this league for anything. And, and uh, you know, you can argue that, that Baltimore was decimated. You don't have to argue it. It's a fact. They were decimated by COVID and injuries. But listen, that's the league. Take care of your business. Take care of your health. Some of it's bad luck. Some of it... You have good luck, and you're the one that's healthy, and they're not. And, yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot to apologize for. I know we're going to talk about a little bit of it, maybe the going for 500 yards passing and all of that. But for the most part, you know, I think any worries that you had were kind of assaged on Saturday morning when the news came out that Tyler Huntley wasn't going to play, Lamar Jackson wasn't going to travel, and it was going to be Josh Johnson. You already had a chance to figure that the Bengals were going to score a bunch of points on that defense because of their issues, but then it was almost like, all right, their their offensive weaponry is gone, and the Bengals did what they're supposed to do, go take care of business in a big way. Regardless of who the Ravens were missing, I still felt like this was a statement game for the Bengals. Sometimes the ones you're supposed to win – are the hardest to nail down no and the Bengals didn't have any of that. I mean, on a day when the Texans put up 41 points and get away in the NFL, it's just a good reminder of all of these guys are paid to play football. Rick, anything Rick, day, can the, happen. Yeah. The day before Indianapolis's best, you know, not best three, but three main interior offensive linemen, including all pro Quentin Nelson didn't play in a big game at Arizona. And what happened there? They went and won. Exactly. It's just a good reminder of how fragile winning is and how close the margins are between all these guys. So to me, this was still a statement game. And because of the way the AFC North is so jumbled up and the playoff implications that came with this game, there were a lot of people paying attention to it. We're just to that time of year where these games that are toss up type games and and have a lot riding on them. Everyone notices what happens. And for the Bengals to just totally dominate and put up a ridiculous performance on the offensive side of the ball, I thought it was a statement game. Yeah, um, you know, you, you, you needed to put yourself in position to not have to continue to scoreboard watch, and you don't. And I think that's the big part of it. And now you're playing for a little bit of seeding, perhaps. You still, got, you still haven't clinched yet. Um, nothing is a done deal. It's still yep. conceivable. As Goofy says, it's still conceivable that you go to Cleveland and believe it or not, the AFC North is on the line with the Browns potentially still having a chance to win that division if they win that game. So there's all potential still on the board. But you did what you have to do. You continue to take other teams out of the equation as opposed to just saying, listen, it's on us. It, now we go win it. We go win it. We're in. We don't. Shame on us. Yeah, I think the easiest way to look at it now is the Bengals are essentially one win away from securing the division, right? right? Yep. Yeah, I mean, if they win either of the next two games, they're good. Aside from that, they're going to need some help. And like you said, it can get hairy in that final week at Baltimore. And especially considering you have to play the Chiefs next week, nothing's going to come easy for them. It's not a guarantee, but they have really set themselves up to win their way in and you got to start with the offense after this game. I mean, the Bengals go for 575 yards of total offense. They average 8.2 yards per play. You mentioned Joe Burrow's day. He was 37 of 46, 
for 525 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. It's the fourth best single game in NFL history, the best in Bengals history, breaking Boomer Esiason's record that had stood for, what, 22 years now? No, 32 years, basically. 32 years. 1990 is when he set that record against the Rams. Yeah, I guess 1990 was longer than I realized. That's pretty bad public (laughs) math right there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, someone asked me this on Twitter, and it might be a good place to start. Best individual performance by a Bengals player ever? I mean, the, the one that comes to mind is Corey Dillon's yeah. record-breaking performance at the time, 276 yards, four touchdowns. But to me, this is the best performance ever by a Bengal. I don't have a better one. Yeah, I, I think the Corey Dillon one for me is still better because the Bengals didn't throw it, couldn't throw it that day at all. Um, the, the the fact that you were playing a, a full complement of players for the most part on the other side, that they knew exactly what you were going to do and you still did it to them. I think today, again, the caveat does come in with all the guys that Baltimore was missing, but it was still impressive. I mean, uh, even if you said, hey, uh, they, they ran it up at the end to getting 500 yards. All right, if I want to give you that, that's fine. But even then, it's still in the high 400s, and he did it with ease. I mean, it never felt like he didn't have a throw he wanted to make, couldn't make, wasn't going to like to make. And he was 37 of 46. Yeah, no, I, exactly. I mean, it, it was, it was almost like he just kind of realized that wherever he wanted to throw the ball, he could, when I want to throw a 15 yard long out route, I can do it. Do I want to throw a jump ball to T Higgins just cause it's fun? Sure. Go get one T. Um, the double move by Tyler Boyd against Patrick queen was a thing of beauty on Tyler Boyd's part, but then a perfectly placed ball in stride gets him a 68 yard touchdown. So yeah, I'm I'm going to go the Corey Dillon game. I get your point, but um, th- this is certainly a, an outstanding performance that, that can't be discounted by any stretch. Yeah, well, and there's also the fact of the matter that this is a meaningful game and a meaningful season yep. and the playoffs on the line. That adds a lot to it for me. Sure. Right? When you look back at a lot of those other performances, they either come in losses or in the case of the Corey Dillon game, it's not a loss, but a pretty meaningless game overall. Yeah, no, that part's fair. I just, the Corey Dillon one to me still is the Bengals could not throw the ball an ounce that day. The 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 Broncos stacked the box and said, you're not going to run where you want to run. And he did it anyway. And, and that's totally fair. And that's why I, that was the first one that came to mind is the only thing to me that really comes close. I guess you can obviously yeah. look at the Boomer games that were pretty close in terms of the statistical numbers. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to also go just because I was a kid and I was at the game and it was such a special moment in Cincinnati uh, in 1974 when uh, Monday night football came to town for the first time and they played OJ Simpson in the bills and Ken Anderson threw for 447 yards in an era where nobody threw for over 220 yards. And he was just so great that night on national TV. That's, that's a, that's a top three or it doesn't maybe top the Dylan game or today, but it's damn close. It was awfully good. The fun thing about today's game and really the last few weeks is you can still see Joe Burrow getting better game by game. I mean, he's showing us more each week. And if you're trying to ask, like, specifically, what are we seeing more of? I think for me, it's a meshing of the college Joe Burrow, the LSU final season where he was one of the best players we've ever seen in the sport with the NFL Joe Burrow. It's like you can only get away with so much of what you got away with in college in terms of yep. the scrambling around and extending plays and doing the crazy stuff. We've seen it with Baker Mayfield is probably the best example. You, he did so much of it in college and he was so magical. And then he gets to the NFL and he's really had to tone a lot of that back and try to be a more consistent, conservative, efficient player. 
and it takes away from what really makes him special. What we've seen with Burrow is he started out as a much more efficient player, and now he keeps adding more and more of that special magic, whatever you want to call it, at the end of plays and extending plays, and I think he just keeps getting better. Yeah, and and even Zach Taylor said today towards the end, he was telling Joe to throw the ball away, and Joe was like, yeah, well, you know, I was just kind of running around at times, and hey, I got out, and there's Joe Mixon running down the field, and I said, I'm just going to throw it up to Joe. And What an incredible uh, play that was. It was, and there was one, it might have been the first offensive snap of the game where it looked like he was about to get boat raced, and he spun out of that thing and and kept the play alive, and he's done that the last few weeks. You know, the the one weird, weird scramble where, it looked like he was going to be sacked. He somehow got away from it. He's about to fall to the ground, and he he leans, running about 15 yards out of the field before he finally falls down. It was it was it was a goofy looking run, but it was a special run at the same time. And I think you're right. I think that's the involvement now of him, you know, making the plays that are there, getting the ball of his hands quickly when it's there, making the right read um, when it's there, and then the improvisational skills on top of it. And that's what leads to guys making big plays and, and taking huge steps and. Um, he's getting close. He's getting really close to being in that upper echelon if he's not there already. You saw him do the uh, shoulder shrug, the MJ shoulder shrug after the play that we were talking about. I had to think that was probably a look to the sideline to Zach Taylor. Like, sorry, I, yeah, I'd no, like to go was. down, but I just really can't. I mean, no, he was, he, he was asked about the shoulder shrug and that's kind of what he said of, of, listen, I know you're trying to tell me to throw it away, but I popped out and, and all of a sudden I see Joe down the field and I got to throw it. Um, and it was almost like, yeah, sorry, I had to make that play. I, you know, I know you want me to throw it away and and not take a hit. And I tried to get out and throw it away, but I look up and there's my running back running behind a guy 50 yards down the field. I got to throw it. You were saying that, you know, in terms of where Joe Burrow is at and the hierarchy of NFL quarterbacks, he might not be the top guy right now. But to your point about him getting close, is there another team's quarterback situation that you would trade for the Bengals, all things considered, given like how early he is in his contract and his career and all of that stuff? I mean, it's no. tough to find a better situation. Yeah, no, that and that's a, that. Yeah, that's the context of it. Would I take Aaron Rodgers? Sure. Would I take Tom Brady? Yeah, I'm crazy not to. But in the situation of the context you're talking about, no, I, no. And, and you saw it today with Justin Herbert. I mean, he lost them a big game with a huge pick six. And while I love his talent and he's still going to win a lot of games in this league, he's going to put up great numbers. He's the guy I go, he's not quite there yet. He's got a lot of things. Joe, I go, nah, he's pretty darn close to being there. If he's not there already, I watch Baker Mayfield. I know he's playing hurt and I know he doesn't have probably the weapons. Joe Burrow. He doesn't have the weapons. Joe Burrow has, but there he is basically costing his team a game on, on Saturday night. Listen, can I tell you that Joe Burrow cost them the Bears game? Yeah, I probably could, although that last interception there was fluky. Um, Can I tell you he cost them maybe the Cleveland game with that pick six at the goal line? Sure wasn't a good start, but he doesn't make a lot of bad plays. He's still going to make a handful. We're talking year two, and it feels like less and less and less uh, are coming his way. You know, you, you could argue today the interception he threw in the end zone on the holding call was a bad decision, but I think he truly thought his guy was going to win out of the break. And yeah. the fact that he didn't win out of the break is because he got held and then the ball is underthrown because he got held and it's intercepted, but it's only intercepted because the guy committed a penalty. I thought the same thing. I was like, and it was bizarre. I can't remember who the analyst was on the game, but they were arguing that that shouldn't have been called a penalty. Didn't think oh it was a word. hold. I mean, it oh was like one of the most blatant penalties you'll ever yes. see right in front of an official, but that's neither here nor there. I totally agree with you. I think the throw would have been fine 
had the penalty not been committed. It was just whether he saw the penalty committed before he even threw the ball, I, or the I ball was think, already come out of his hand. It was yeah, no right. doubt that that's what affected the play. Yeah, I think he thought the timing of it was, oh, my guy's going to win coming out of the break. I'm going to give him the lead here. And then when he didn't win coming out of the break, there was a reason why he didn't win coming out of the break because he got held. Yeah, no question. But I just, I mean, you look at where the Bengals are at, and it is so important to have a talented quarterback, a franchise quarterback that you really truly feel can win you games and you can build around and have him under control without spending all your money on him. And that's where the Bengals are at. It is the most ideal roster situation to be in. And that's not all they have. They have a lot of other right. good pieces. I mean, you Dude, basically you, have all your talented pieces on the offensive side under control for under a few control. Years. That that's exactly right. And then you just go address, you know, depth and and the need of again, you're going to need an offensive lineman or two. We're, we'll talk about all that in the offseason, but you're right. I think you you're in an enviable spot where you've got your main dudes under contract. And then today, look what each of the main dudes did. T Higgins, career high 12 for career high 194. Jamar Chase gets back over 100 again, 7 for 125, and all that yards after catch stuff. And Tyler Boyd, 3 for 86 and a 68-yard touchdown. And if not for that call reversal on the touch, which I thought he still caught, um, he's over 100 yards. You'd have three receivers over 100 yards. And then Joe Mixon has 137 yards from scrimmage, 138, 67, 68 rushing and 70 receiving. I mean, you talk about weapons. And I asked T that question of, of kind of, you know, it's been different guys at different times. Today it was all of you. And he said, yep, today was the standard. We saw what the standard can be. This is the new standard. And I think he's right. Not, I'm, I'm not telling you the standard is going to be 500 yards passing and 600 yards of offense every week. But I think it did show that you got a chance on some weeks to to really put up some gaudy numbers with all these weapons. And maybe maybe this is what it took is, is them playing against a team that was suspect, had some issues, and you took advantage of it. Now you go man, we can win a lot of these battles at a lot of times and we can put up some numbers like this against good teams. Maybe today was kind of the aha moment for all of that of we can do this. Well, I want to go back into some of those individuals and talk about them more. But while we're on that topic right there, do you think it was eye-opening for Zach Taylor at all to see what happens when he truly commits to the passing game and lets Joe Burrow just cook and dominate a defense that he's having success against. And I'm not saying every game plan should be like this because obviously you're dealing with a a secondary that was just ill-equipped to handle all your weapons. But I don't think there's a ton of secondaries that are equipped to guard all the Bengals weapons. With you, If you got a quarterback like Joe Burrow who can really manipulate your coverages and understand what's going on and see the game the way he does, they go 46 pass attempts to 21 rushing attempts in this game. I mean, when you've got the defense on their heels like that too, it's almost impossible for them to tackle Joe Mixon on a consistent basis. So right, because because then you've got him spread out at that point. Then they are having to play a bunch of safeties deep, and he did pop. Remember, he almost popped about a fifty or sixty yard touchdown run. There was part of me coming into the day that really wanted to bet the under in this game because I was thinking, oh, the third quarterback for the Ravens, they're not going to be able to score, and Zach Taylor is going to take this opportunity to be super conservative, make sure they don't make any mistakes, and win the game. Kudos to him. He wasn't that way at all. There was was a second and seven when they got in the red zone on that first drive where he ran the ball, and I didn't like it, and he ran later in the game on a, a second and 15 play where I thought it was a bad decision. But aside from that, he was very aggressive all game long. It was fun to watch their offense. I thought they were creative in how they used Jamar Chase and put him in the slot some more and ran him on underneath crossing routes more to get him those yards after catch because you knew the Ravens were going to be trying to take away the deep ball from him. I thought he called a great game, but I also hope to him it was a little bit eye-opening of how talented his offense can be. 
Yeah, that's why. That's why. Yeah, I think. I think there's some truth there. I think for all of them, of, hey, we got all these weapons. Let's figure out a way to use them better and more explosively. And again, it's easy sometimes to do that, but I also think sometimes, and I'll I'll just use the basketball analogy of sometimes you do that and you go, aha. You know what? I wish I'd have done that against some of the better teams we played because, you know, I think we were more than capable of doing that. And so maybe that was today. And, and obviously we're going to get a chance to see it because you got two big games still left in the regular season. And it's going to be a great test to see if that's kind of the way they go with this. But I think you're right. It was literally, let's just attack. And, and I've been, you know, listen, I've been pushing the run game, Rick, but I've also been pushing the do what you do. Stop worrying about what they do. Yes. Do what you do. And if today yep. was you do yourself passing it, have at it, brother. Just sling that thing around like a crazy man. And they did. Well, and also to me, that is understand your players and how they're feeling on a given day. When Joe Burrow is in the zone like he was today, ride him. Let him let him go win the game. And that's you know what we've talked about the last few weeks of situations where he's taken the ball out of the Joe Burrow's hands in winning time when Joe Burrow is on a roll. Those are the things I'd like to see him recognize more of and get more aggressive in those moments. It doesn't have to be all the time. And there's certainly a place and time to run Joe Mixon, eat some clock, and play good defense. But you've got a special thing going with this passing game and Joe Burrow and the receivers that you have. And I wanted to ask you about T Higgins a little bit more because just an incredible game for him, obviously in this one, but he's been pretty damn good here for the last few months. Really? I think because of the emergence of Jamar chase at the beginning of this year, it kind of made us forget or at least quit talking about T Higgins development and the fact that he's only a second year guy and he's going to continue to get better. And we're seeing that from him. I mean, he is a monster out there right now. That is a matchup problem for most defenses. Yeah. He admitted. And remember he did miss those two games with injury. And he admitted that a few games after that, he said he played nervously trying not to get hurt again. And he's finally said he came to the reckoning of, and I'm just, I'm paraphrasing this part of it, but we're just going and playing. And um, I think that coupled with opportunities because of defenses facing or, or, or rolling coverage towards Jamar Chase have all added up into him getting all these opportunities. And then today, even when, you know, they played a lot of zone two, uh, he was still making plays. You know, he makes a play on the 50-50 ball down the middle. He makes strong hit. The touchdown, the second touchdown catch was a really strong handed catch. How many times have you watched him over the last few weeks, Rick, catch the ball out in front of him or high pointed with his hands as opposed yeah, to like, away it, it from just, his body. Yeah. It just looks like the guy's got so much confidence in the strength of his hands right now. It's like, I'm taking this away from you and there's nothing you can do about this. Cause my hands are so strong. Um, you know, I thought he made a great catch on the, I think it was a fourth and four play along the sidelines um, where he made a good, good play. I mean, he's, he keeps making big plays because I think the confidence of getting away from the injury getting some more opportunity, turning opportunity and success. And now I think you see a little chemistry with him and Joe that Joe and Jamar Chase had. You're seeing that come to fruition. And suddenly he's become a as big a go-to receiver as anybody. Uh, you know, he, he 12 catches for 194. Um, that's really good. And then you put it in the context with the other two guys almost having 100 yards. That's damn good. It's crazy. I mean, that's elite receiver stuff. And some of the stuff that he's doing in, over the course of the games, the individual plays he's making is elite receiver stuff. I mean, he's truly emerging and showing us some things that we didn't even see from him last year. I think he's getting more separation that we, than we saw him get last year when that was kind of a problem late in the season. And before Joe Burrow got injured, even is that we talked about the lack of the downfield passing attack for that team. And it was part of that. It, 
Higgins wasn't getting open a whole lot downfield and no one really was for that team this year. It's a totally different story. And I'm sure it helps that you've got Jamar chase on the other side, demanding the attention. No he question. Is. But going into that game right after Thanksgiving against the Steelers, the home game, he had yet to have a 100 yard receiving game this He's season. Four. He's got four out of the last five. Yep. Our 100 yard receiving game. So he has completely turned it on over the course of the last month plus and it is really taking his game to well, another level. And, and again, he missed two full games due to injury. He's over a thousand yards now in, in two less games than some of these other guys. And I mean, we talked about how good he was last year. He had 67 catches for 908 yards. This year, he's at 71 catches for over a thousand, like you mentioned, and six touchdowns, which was his total from last year. So. Yeah, it's pretty special stuff going on in terms of that passing game and the passing attack as a whole right now. Let's flip over to the other side of the ball. Ravens score 21 points in this game. Josh Johnson, their third string quarterback without a lot of time to get up to speed on the system, goes 28 for 40, 304 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Mark Andrews is tight end, catches it eight times for 125 yards and a touchdown. Concerned at all by the defensive performance or no? A little. Um, the first drive, I'm going to just tip my cap and go, you guys well scripted that. That was a great script. You had an idea. You had a plan. You got Josh up tempo. You want to get him in some quick rhythm. And and listen, there, there, I, we were talking, I was talking about this with some, some writer friends before the game. There, there must be something to Josh Johnson being able to grasp an offense quickly and coming in and I mean, he's, he's, we're talking about a guy who's been this, through this league for 13 years, hasn't played a whole lot and teams keep plucking him off the street whenever he's available. It's like, Oh yeah, let's go get him because for whatever reason, he must grasp stuff pretty darn quickly. And you would think in 13 years, even as a backup, you've seen enough that you pretty much can dissect a defense and, and do some things. And he also does some Josh Johnson things. He also short hops throws and, you know, drop, you drop snaps from center and whatnot. But for the most part, I thought the guy was great today, to be quite frank. Um, the Mark Andrews thing is concerning because um, I'll be interested the next time we talk to Lou Anarumo of – What's going on with tight end stuff? I, I I know where I'm going to get coach speak of, well, we're taking away the outside receivers and somebody's going to get open. Well, I'm not sure I completely buy that. Something's going on where they're having a hard time with tight ends. Your safeties and, and linebackers can't cover well, anybody. Well, yeah, and I, but but is is, is 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 it a Von Bell issue? Is it a Jesse Bates issue? Was it a Marcus Bailey issue today? Looked Marcus like all three of them. Logan Wilson? And maybe it was all of them. Um you know, the flip side to it was the one thing I think you couldn't allow to have happen today is Baltimore get into a rhythm running the football where they could maybe take some clock and grind out some drives and all of those things, and Baltimore couldn't run it an ounce. So I'm going to give the defense probably a B. I'm going to give them a little bit of a pass, like I said, for that first um, touchdown drive. That Listen, some guys are really good at scripting stuff, and maybe Greg Roman just put together a great early script and it caught the Bengals off balance a little bit. And, you know, film shows you, you can exploit this for a while till the team makes an adjustment. But after that, you know, the, the touchdown pass Johnson threw to Mark Andrews by the goal line. I'm not sure you could have just walked it down to him and go here. I mean, that ball was a dime. It was a I thought it was going to be intercepted twice on the play and it was dropped in there. And then other than that, they really didn't do a whole lot. They still only wound up with, you know, barely over 300 yards total offense. So it wasn't great. But it was good enough to win by three touchdowns, which in this league is pretty good. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's always hard to get upset or criticize much of anything when you only give up 21 points and you win by three touchdowns in the NFL. Yeah. The tight end thing is a little troublesome, right? Because it feels like that's the trend that you're like, "Eh, can't cover the tight end. And I know Kelsey didn't play today, but Kelsey's back next week. You got to do this again. 
Well, and as much as we talked about their defense and what they were missing there, going down to your third string quarterback is a bigger hit in the NFL than anything. Yeah. So, I mean, so I would have expected a better performance from the Bengals defense against Josh Johnson, quite frankly. And it always bothers me a little bit. I understand that this is who the Bengals defense has been all year. They've been pretty successful doing it, but kind of the bend, but don't break and and give up a lot of stuff up front and over the middle. And they never really seem to want to stray from that. And they're not aggressive at all. It's like, dude, you've got Josh Johnson over there. You don't, and he doesn't really know their offense much yet at all. Don't you think you might want to try to put a little pressure on him? Just send an extra blitzer to occasionally just try to get aggressive and maybe, maybe you'll squeeze out a turnover. I understand you didn't need it in this game the way it was playing out. I I think that's the thing you didn't. So why, why give them some one-on-one opportunities? Why give Hollywood Brown more one-on-one opportunities to hit big plays? I, I, I mean, I maybe, I think, I think but also why leave them in the game as long as you do in a situation like that? I mean, yeah. you could really step on someone's throat with a pick six early on, you know? You don't yeah. know that you're going to win a game by three touchdowns in the NFL ever. I'll be honest with you. If you didn't know who Josh Johnson was and just watched him play, I thought the dude was really good. But that's a little bit concerning. Like I would, you know, he doesn't have a lot to go off of right here. It's but, like, I, but, uh, you, but you I, made him I, feel way too comfortable early on would be my thing. Yeah, I don't okay. understand letting a, a quarterback who's in that situation complete like his first 10 passes because you're just sleepwalking and playing off of everybody. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you some of that. I, I think some of it I'll give Josh Johnson credit for. God love him. He came off the street and threw the damn ball pretty well. Uh, and the fact that the Bengals said we're not going to give up a big play to a wide receiver, and yeah, Hollywood got behind them once. I think he beat Cheeto badly, and Johnson overthrew him badly. I'm still I'm going to go with the game the way the game dictated of once you got a big lead, don't let them back in with some big plays, and you're still going to be okay. Well, and they still were, and they were. And down the and you're right. I mean, once you get to that point, but I'm even talking about earlier in the game. I mean, Josh Johnson has that game because of those first couple drives where you just let him completely get into a rhythm and feel comfortable. I would like to try to disrupt that a little bit earlier on than the Bengals are willing to do. But, you know, hey, they're where they're at for a reason. They've done a pretty good job all year of keeping themselves in a position to win games. So I'm not being overly critical here. No, I, it's I, I, don't, one I, I, thing that's a little bothersome when you're playing against Josh Johnson and this Ravens team. Yeah, I just go back to you. You need to you better find a reason for you better find a way to cover tight ends all of a sudden. And maybe it is as simple as you need Logan Wilson back. And hopefully this next game is the game you get him back. And Marcus Bailey was okay. I thought Marcus Bailey made he made a couple of really good plays. I thought in a run game where I went, oh, great job scraping, getting a guy. That was good. And that's the big thing here. I mean, when you play the Ravens, the first thing you think of is how are you going to stop the run and how are you going to run the football yourselves? The Bengals dominated in both those two aspects of the game. They only give up 39 rushing yards in this one from a defensive perspective. So hard to argue with much of what they're doing when they accomplish that. Yeah, and and you know I. I... I think sometimes game dictates when you're up by enough. Do you want to give up big plays? You just want to try to get home with four. And I think that's where you got to a little bit with that too. Connor Orr of the MMQB wrote some type of column after the game. And I'll admit, I didn't read the whole thing, but I thought his, his sort of hook statement that he was tweeting out to go with it was interesting. And he was talking about the Bengals team already having a higher ceiling than any of Marvin Lewis's teams. Do you agree with that? This Bengals team? I do. Um, I, I will go back to the 2005 team. If Odell Thurman hadn't had his personal issues and David Pollock hadn't gotten hurt, I think that team had a pretty good ceiling as well. I thought Andy's team, and it was just, 
it was kind of the culmination of the whole run from 2011 on. But the Andy, the, the season Andy was having in in 15 when he got hurt, um, that team had a bunch of weapons. Man, you had AJ and Marvin Jones and Sanu and Eifert was finally healthy for a full year and you could run the ball and your defense was really good and you could go get the quarterback and you could create turnovers. I thought that team had a high, I think I thought that team was Super Bowl caliber to be quite frank until Andy got hurt and it kind of got derailed. And obviously then they lost the playoff game to, to Pittsburgh in that wacky fashion. I thought that was a really, really good team, but I'm kind of with him. I don't know if the ceiling is, is like current, like this ceiling, they can get to the Super Bowl this year. I'm not sure. I believe that. But I think kind of back to what you mentioned of all the key guys under contract, um, you know, even going to next year on defense, you got Hendrickson under contract and Hubbard under contract and Reader under contract. And yeah, it's going to suck if Larry Ogunjobi walks, but Logan Wilson's under contract. And you're adding Jermaine Joseph Pratt's Osai. Joseph Osai's coming off injury thing. And, and you can always franchise tag Jesse Bates. Uh, you, you know, you got a lot of pieces there too. So I, I'm kind of with him. I don't know if I believe the whole the ceiling is the Super Bowl this year, but I'll be honest, Rick. The way the AFC is, if they got there, would I be stunned? No, I, I don't think I would be. I don't think they're getting there, but I don't think I'd be stunned. Yeah, I don't think Marvin Lewis. Personally, I don't think Marvin Lewis ever had a su- Super Bowl caliber team. The closest one, in my opinion, was that 2005 team, the Kimo von Allhoffen year. Is that the same? That's the one, right? Yes, and, and I'm, I'm yeah. even talking about kind of that next year where, again, you lose Thurman after the injuries, break. yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, it is addiction issues, and then Pollock to Well, to Pollock injuries. to the injury, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that team was pretty loaded from a talent perspective. And honestly, the 15 team was damn loaded with talent. That team was yeah. really, really – you could run it with Jeremy Hill. You could throw it to A.J. Green. You could throw it to Marvin Jones. You could throw it to Muhammad Sanu. You could throw it to Tyler Eifert. The pass protection was great. The offensive line was great. Andy Dalton was having an MVP. I mean, he remember he was in the MVP conversation until he got hurt that year. He yeah. was having a great year. So the ceiling for that team was pretty damn high, in my opinion, if Andy doesn't bust his thumb up. Yeah, I, I would go back that 2005 team that we're talking about, though. One, Carson Palmer. He never was made me as confident as Joe Burrow does, but he was physically he looked like a top tier quarterback. No question. There, when he was yes. at his best, he looked like a real dude, and it made you feel like, okay, we got a chance with this guy. And dude, this is you had you had Ch- and you had Chad and TJ and Chris well, Henry and Chris Henry at that time was emerging as a huge third receiver, deep threat. And he, that was in an era where some teams ran three receivers a lot, or you know, not as much as they do today. So he was emerging as that that. Hey, well, you get your third receiver goes down the field and stretches it for seventy yards. Pretty good weapon to have. Yeah, see that that's what I was going to point to though. Is, is you referenced uh, all of Andy's weapons, but I would. That team back then with Carson and TJ and Chad and Chris Henry, those weapons reminds me a lot more of this team's weapons in terms of how dynamic they are. And I think you truly have a guy at the top of the league right now in Jamar Chase in terms of his ability. So I would I think those teams remind me of themselves the most. But again, the Joe Burrow factor is just so crazy. And Joe Mixon is a better running back than either of those other two teams had as well. Um, The Andy team. The issue with it is you still had Andy Dalton as your quarterback, and I know he was having an unbelievable he's, he's year. He's having a stupid good and year, though. I, that, that's great, and I love Andy Dalton more than most Bengals fans do. I think he accomplished a lot of great things. Physically, he's just not that guy. And Agreed. In, when the lights Agreed. were on in big games, he never rose to the occasion. That You were always going to feel like you had 
the inferior quarterback, no matter what happened in the playoffs when you were going up in, in the second or third round. So for me, it's, 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 it's just different with this group and with Joe Burrow, he gives you that type of confidence. And I don't know that this team is a Super Bowl caliber team either. I wouldn't say that about them necessarily, but when you look around that this year, I think it might be the year to be a team that's dangerous. Well, and they here's, are the, dangerous. Here, here, and here's what you're going to find out Sunday. The best team in the AFC without question is, is Kansas city, right? They've to their credit, whatever you want to, they've got flaws and all those things. And they started three and four, but right now you point and you go, yeah, you've earned it. You're the best team in the AFC. That's what your record says. That's who you are. And plus the fact that we've seen the track record and a bunch of these guys were part of the track record. You're the best team. How about this for a measuring stick Sunday then? You get to measure yourself and go, are we really there yet? Or are we just going to be a team that's going to go, hey, so good to get in the playoffs and maybe get us a win and we're just not. Maybe this Sunday tells you, huh, we're right there. We're as right. good as anybody. It's a fascinating game. Obviously, it's huge for Bengals fans, but I think the entire NFL is going to have their eyes on that game Saturday at 1 o'clock and just yeah, I just want to thank the. It. I just want to thank the league for last Tuesday not flexing this for myself personally. I'm glad it's still a one o'clock kickoff. That's a, that's a, that's that's my personal addendum for that. I just want to put that out there. Thank you, NFL, for leaving the game where it is. I'm good with that. Uh, well, I think that's a good spot to end it. They just need one more win, basically, right? One more win. Yeah, and- one more win, or they can also still get in, even if they uh, with, with some help otherwise. Um, but yeah, I, I think at this point, go take care of your own business. You know, they've done it to the, to the credit the last two weeks. They needed to take care of business, and that's what they did. Uh, I can't imagine Rick and I'm not, this is not a public service announcement. You do what you want with your money. People. I, I just can't imagine if you're on the fence of getting a ticket that you don't go to this game. I, I, I gotta, I gotta imagine you talk about, I think, I think an atmosphere. I think you're gonna have a great one on Sunday. Cause I think that you know, if I've looked at the long range forecast, I think we got temperatures still in the fifties. Um, it is the day after, um, new year's. I get all that. Um, but I, I got a feeling you're gonna have a hell of a crowd for that game, a great environment and a chance to make a huge statement in every way, shape and form, finish it off by winning the division, tell Kansas city, Hey, we're still here. Um, and we're a big part of what's going to have to happen come playoff time. And you talk about, talk about some momentum, man, you win three in a row at Kansas city being one of them and clinch. And then at the last game, doesn't really matter. You got a chance to really put yourself in a spot where, yeah, you are extraordinarily dangerous. All right. That's all I got. All right. Good stuff. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for listening. We will be back with our midweek podcast sometime. Guess one midweek, probably Wednesday or Thursday. We'll figure it out with all these COVID cancellations. We got a lot of college football to talk about this coming week. We hope. As long as they're going to keep playing games where bowl games are getting whacked left and right. But we will be back to talk about that Wednesday or probably Thursday. So join us for that, our weekly Potpourri podcast. For Rick Boring, I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the Bengals postgame edition, presented by Ryan Kiefer with Prime Lending.